This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what makes Ukraine special and worth fighting for? Orest Zakoldowski, Senior Policy Advisor at the UCC, gives us insight into the policy, politics, and history that makes the conflict in Ukraine so complicated and so interesting at the same time. Personal information of convoy trucker supporters has been leaked online after hackers targeted Gifts and Go. Hank the Hacker, an ethical hacker, tells us who might be behind the leak and the fact that it was warned of a long time ago. This vulnerability, what are the implications of this leak and is it even safe to assume the image the information itself is actually even legit because anybody could donate under anybody's name we also get a dose of trivia in game showy our theme on game showy is ukrainian history culture and more while me and brendan battle it out kindly sometimes this is the shift podcast that's right It's time for Game Showy. It's your opportunity to learn and get educated about places you may not know where they are. And other things about those places that you don't know where they are. Here on Game Showy is your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Wow, Bob, what a wonderful intro as always. Thanks again, Bob. I hate to do this to you, but um, that's um, that uh, microphone user error thing yeah. is happening again. We're not again. Like Hold on, it did. Yeah, yeah sound All like right. you're in the bathroom. <sighs> Here on Game Show, we will be right back after this technical break. There we go. Ah, oh, you're better now. Yeah. Nice. Now, okay. here is your host that knows how to turn on his microphone. Here's mm-hmm. Ryan. Okay. Thanks, Bob. One more time. Yeah, we're going to do some game show, some trivia to see if uh, Brennan Kelly and Shane Hewitt have any understanding of any of the amazing things about Ukraine. Uh, if you guys pick a answer correctly, you'll get to hear this lovely sound. <laughs> Isn't that just positive reinforcement? And you can't have positive reinforcement without negative reinforcement. That's if you're wrong. I have a feeling we're going to hear that one maybe a bit more than last time. Wrong. No. Uh, Wrong. Bob, why don't you uh, take us through the categories? Well, thanks, Ryan. Our categories are Ukraine, history, Ukraine, geography, Ukrainian food, on Game Showy. Also, I'm just going to add in uh, one little uh, extra category, neat facts. There's just one extra question I could not find in home for, so it's in the neat fact category. Neat. All right. Neat. The host does not have the authority to add more categories. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> the end. Uh, I completely forgot who won last time. Uh, hello. It was me. It definitely was not me. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. won by oh, a lot. Right. Last yeah, time. you had a rough <laughs> one last time. Well, Brennan Kelly, because Thanks. you won. You get to pick the first category, as is tradition. Shane, hold your hold your horses on <laughs> Shane. Tradition. On... I had a fight for that last week. <laughs> yeah, you did on Game Showy. All right, I'll go with a subject that I was generally pretty good at in school: geography. Geography. Ooh. All right. Excellent. All right. uh, geography. Let's start off with a fact, a, a fast fact. Ukraine is the largest country in Europe, which is uh, pretty neat. And it's very big at 603,628 square kilometers. Your question is this, Brendan Kelly. Is Ukraine bigger than Manitoba? That's a good question, which is really good because I think there's lots of Ukrainian families in Manitoba. I would say no, it's not. Ukraine is indeed smaller than Manitoba. Manitoba 
is pretty darn big. I mean, all of Canada is pretty, pretty yeah. darn big at 647,797 square kilometers, making it about 40,000 square kilometers bigger. Mouthful words. Lucky it's guess. large. Lucky okay. Guess. Good guess, though. It's a lucky it good a guess, correct though. Way to go, it lucky is correct. correct answer. Probably scrolled ahead. If we ever do this in studio, I'm going to need a ref. I'm going to need like a yeah. ref to keep you two from running at each other well, from the booth. There's only oh, one side right. that really escalates things here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Shane Hewitt. The non-cheating side. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You want to pick a category or do you want to just lose to Brandon? Oh, I get to pick time? a category. Whoa. Yeah, I want to pick a category. The host is on my I'm gonna side, go. apparently. I didn't hear what that was said because I was That's answering good. the question, not trying to distract here. Um, and scrolling head looking for answers like the other guy who plays this game. I'm going to go with the category food. Food. All right. Here's uh, an, uh, one that I did definitely did not know this before grabbing this question and surprised okay. me quite a bit. Ukraine has one of the most fertile lands in, in all of Europe. A lot of food can be made and harvested in Ukraine. But what crop does Ukraine produce more than any other country on earth? The options are Wheat, sunflowers, mm-hmm. barley, or potatoes? Mm. Which one uh, do they make the most of? Wheat, sunflower, barley, or potatoes? Mm-hmm. Well, as the guy who doesn't scroll ahead to cheat and look for other answers, I'm going to say, I'm going to say barley, Bob. Barley, Bob. Well, that was. No, I was going to make a pun. It didn't work. You're wrong. Mm. It's not wrong. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. wrong. Oh, yeah, well. I'd uh, rather Brian be Kelly. wrong without cheating than be right with cheating. Okay. Integrity. Well, you were Integrity. wrong anyway. You were just, <laughs> you were just wrong. Uh, I'll go with uh, sunflower. I'm meditating oh. to be peaceful. Well, uh, the Ukrainian flag is blue and yellow. There was a hint within the flag. Yes, Ukraine harvests more sunflowers than any other country. Oh, really? It is estimated. This is such a strange fact I found that the total size of Ukraine's sunflower farmland could cover all of Slovenia. Really? Yeah. If only I knew how big Slovenia was, I, I would know, imagine right? that would be really amazing. Yeah, I didn't even mm. know, so... Okay, well, right. Brennan Kelly cool. up with two points. I'm surprised baseball is not more popular there if they make that many sunflowers. Oh, yeah, because the perfect thing, just spit it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Spits. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of Canadians get their sunflowers from Ukraine, clearly. Clearly. So, Brennan Kelly's up with 2 nothing. Now, each question is worth one point. However, hidden in this show, there is the bonus round, which is two points. So, you my guys might get lucky and find it. But in the meantime, right. Brennan Kelly... You get to pick the next category. Uh, I'll go with uh, history since we haven't done it yet. History. Okay. Let's uh, wait for my computer to stop doing the squirrely wheel so that I can read you your question. Uh, Insert game show music. Here we go. Okay. Wrong game show, man. Very much. Okay, so what I have here is an actual broadcast on Soviet television from 1986. Now, what happened in Ukraine in 1986? Well, Chernobyl exploded. The Chernobyl reactor disaster, the worst nuclear disaster in history. So you're going to hear the broadcast. Now, your Mm -hmm. question is what city did Reactor 4 explode in? Now, your hint, it's not that big of a hint, is that the news anchor says the name of the city within this clip here. The problem is that he is speaking Russian. So, see if you can find it. Again, your question is, what city did the nuclear reactor disaster Chernobyl happen in? Некоторые агентства на Западе распространяют слухи о том, что якобы при аварии на АЭС погибли тысячи людей. Как уже сообщалось, фактически погибли два человека. Госпитализировано всего 197. Из них 49 покинули госпиталь после обследования. Работа предприятий, колхозов, совхозов и учреждений идет нормально. Okay. So, да. Here are your options. 
Kiev, Pripyat, Kharkiv, or Slovyansk? Uh, I will go with Pripyat. Brendan Kelly's on fire tonight. Ooh, oh, that's have said that. Joking, yeah. about yep. Nuclear reactors. Okay. Yep. You know how uh, I knew that one. I watched the Chernobyl series, and I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yep. that. I like uh, the place that sounded like Kharkiv. I would have just picked it because you said Kharkiv. Mm-hmm. Kharkiv. Kharkiv. Yep. Yeah, it happened in Pripyat, which is now a completely abandoned uh, uh, city. Completely abandoned. Yeah. You can go there, though. You can visit Chernobyl. It is relatively safe. Um, it's on my bucket list. I would really love to see Pripyat. Mm. Don't buy the bottled water. No, no, definitely not. And don't pet the dogs. There are dogs there. (laughs) Shane, you're down three, nothing. This is not looking great, but uh, there's always a chance uh, for a little bit of redemption. You do not cheat. Okay. Redemption is the fact that I'm peaceful in my heart because I'm not cheating. Mm. It doesn't okay. sound very peaceful in your heart. You sound yeah, very peaceful. You sound very. <laughs> you sound, that, that's, that's very accusatory. Right in your projections. How, how do you say "om" in Ukrainian? Uh, om. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, I got to pick category. category right? Oh, yeah, crap. Do. Sorry, here's, I was all excited and I was thinking and I was lost. Well, I'm going to go, well, because Brennan's really good with all of this stuff, though. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the geography, because I'm most curious to learn about the geography. Okay. okay, all right, fantastic. And you know what? I want to keep this a tight competition, so guess what? Congratulations. You found the bonus round question. Yes. Call a friend. Don't call me. So, your question is uh, is a pretty interesting one. And I'm okay. going to open this up on the text line. Shane, Brendan, you both now have a new power. Your power okay. is that you can use the text line once. Once. For help. For an answer. So, okay, come on, listeners, if you know the answer to this question, text it in. 877-399-9898. 98 help Shane out okay. here is the geography question he needs it <laughs> I do. he's right that part he was not cheating that is very true <laughs> what what is a longer drive Toronto to Winnipeg or Kiev the capital city of Ukraine to Berlin Berlin mm-hmm what Toronto to Winnipeg is going to be what? 3,000 kilometers. Like, so we're talking like road driving, not like as the crow flies kind of. Mm-hmm. Ro- like, road so, like if you mapped it on Google Maps. Yep. You mapped it on Google Maps. And you want to know which one's further? Which one takes longer? Yeah. Uh, well, well it takes okay, longer? you could say further. You could say further. further distance? Let's not. Yeah. Because yeah. you never know with speed limits and the Autobahn. That's the mm-hmm. gray areas. Yeah, yep. Okay. Okay. So, which one is longer distance to drive? Highway miles. So, I'm going to guess what? Toronto to Winnipeg is 3,000 kilometers and to drive roughly. And I'm going to say Berlin, Kiev to Berlin is probably 2,500 kilometers. Yeah. So, I would say it's longer to go to Winnipeg to Toronto than it is to go to Kiev, Kiev to Berlin. Okay. Well, Did you want to use your uh, your text oh. line help here at all, or are you gonna you gonna say no? Because Trucker Dan agrees. Trucker Dan's a trucker. He agrees. Toronto's he says uh, Toronto to Winnipeg, and uh, Trucker Dan is. Uh, I, I'm saying I'm going with the trucker. Okay, yeah, I'm going well, with the trucker Dan. You are wrong and very right in that you were about a, a thousand kilometers off in your guess of how long the journey is, but you are correct. It is a shorter, it is longer <laughs> to get right, to wrong. Toronto to Winnipeg uh, between Kiev and Berlin. You're crossing okay. three countries to so, get to Berlin from Help Kiev. me celebrate here. Did I get the question right? Yeah, you got sure. the question right. You got oh, Okay, points. good. So it's yes. further to Toronto to Winnipeg than it is from mm-hmm. Kiev to Berlin. Berlin. And so say yep. the numbers again, Toronto to Winnipeg? Was uh, just over 2,000 kilometers, and uh, oh. Kiev to Berlin is uh, 1,300. Okay, so my I was pretty close, though. Yep. I was pretty close. Yeah, you're, about, like, you're about 1,000 off, but but I yeah. wouldn't. My guess would be worse than that, so don't feel bad. 
You're in, yeah, I'm you're trying in to think the game. You're back in 14 it. 14 hours Calgary to Winnipeg and then another mm-hmm. 20. Yeah, I guess it would have been 25 mm-hmm. hours. Yeah, 15 mm-hmm. hours. Okay. Still about a 16 hour, 15 hour 40. drive across yeah. Europe, but that's wow. a pretty drive. Oh, wow. It's like a big. 15 hour answer here. Let's. <laughs> Move on. Next he question. He needs to get Sorry, into the. Man. I'm into the Zen of being gonna, right. Well, it's your first time. Tonight, his first time being right, and you get the. And bon- the you get all the bonus says, points. So, like, yeah, even if you do, even if you do end up winning, I still got more right. Like, I just I'm know not. more. I just know more. <laughs> Yeah, I'm ne- the one who gets week, it all lit up, eh? Next week, I'm getting a silence button. I'm just going to have a button that says silence very loudly. Silence? Well, okay. One of the major Brendan, Cold you... War tenets was don't poke the bear. You've poked the bear over here. You've poked the Brendan bear. Okay. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, Brendan, pick a category. You're up three to two. Uh, that last one was just geography, right? Um, so one. I will go with uh, geography. Uh, we're out of geography questions. Oh, <laughs> so you're done. Man. Yep. Oh. Okay, history. History. Okay, let's do history. Fun. This is a. This is actually a pretty deep one. This is actually a pretty tough one. I'm going to be impressed if you can get it. During the, Ukraine has been around for a very long time, and its history is fascinating. So let's go back. During the 10th and 11th centuries. Ukraine was the center of an incredibly powerful, influential state in Europe. What was it called at the time? Was it Muscovy, Volhynia, and again, please forgive me if I am pronouncing this wrong, the Polish League, or Kievan Rus? Ooh. Uh, Kievan Rus. That is correct. It is Kievan Rus. Yes. <laughs> probably Kievan Rus. Yes. Yeah. I think the Kiev yep. just gave it away. Kiev. Uh, yeah. yeah. And the, the Rus. Russian, Kiev. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, yeah it's part of the Russian kind of. You see that these countries have had a long history, including mm-hmm. this in the 10th. Um, well, you know what else was a giveaway? Poland is still just Poland. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so. at one point, I'm pretty sure the Polish League included you part of Ukraine. So again, Bolt, like this is history. Amazing. I still need to learn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so cool. here's a couple of things that are. It was. Are we just declaring him the winner? I, well, yeah. He's up four two, and I, I, it would be really tough for you to come back within like three minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to be Brent like Kelly. a rule bending where you have to get like mm-hmm. a million points. Oh no, something. I don't rule. I don't bend the rules and cheat. That one I leave up to you. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. So here's a couple of things about Ukraine that I didn't know. And I'm going to confess that I did not know this. If uh, Ukraine was to border, right, on a sea, uh, that would be what sea? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, Anybody? The Black Sea. The Black Sea. The Black Sea. See, I didn't think that. I thought Ukraine was in the north, which is weird mm. because I'm yeah. thinking of all the different maps from the World War II shows I've watched. And I didn't, I, I truly didn't think that. So this is where it gets a little confusing in our minds. You know what else Ukraine is particularly close to if you wanted to make a, a full day's drive? Is um, Istanbul. You can actually drive there in a day. Like it takes a yeah. whole day. Um, <laughs> so like this is, it's an interesting place and it literally borders right there and um, on Russia. And, and it's, um, it's absolutely amazing. The uh, Moldova, Romania, borders on it. Hungary has a tiny little corner. Slovakia has a little corner. Poland has a, a fair big border and Belarus is right there as well. So that's what surrounds it. And sort of south of that is the Bulgaria, the Serbia, getting down to Greece and Turkey. To the west of it, which we looked this up too, it's like a 20-hour some odd drive to Paris. So it's like a full day and a bit drive to Paris from Kiev. So you go through Germany, you get to Paris, like you're literally right there. So when we look and compare Canada to the size of Ukraine, imagine all of these things that are happening that close to you, as big as Ukraine is. So really cool and interesting. I think that we as Canadians, if we want to be able to decide where our support lies here, which I would say that most people say in the sovereignty of Ukraine as a democratically elected government sovereign nation, then, um, then yeah. We need to just learn about how magical Ukrainian people are and the history of that country. And I think that for a country like Canada that has so many Ukrainian folks around, and let's be honest, we as Canadians, hello, pierogies, Ukrainian sausage, 
It's a big part of our lives. I think we can learn a lot here. So we're going to try and do that here on the shift. Very cool. Um, very cool stuff. And uh, congratulations, uh, Brennan, on the big win. It's uh, oh, that's game showy. Hey, showy, Barbara. There it is. <clears throat> Thanks for listening to Game Showy. Join us next week when we have another amazing quiz for you. That's right. Brendan's probably going to win again, mostly because he scrolls ahead in the notes. But that's okay. Oh, wrong. <laughs> This is the Shift Podcast. The question I keep asking about everything that's going on in Ukraine is, who's telling the truth? Not the Ukrainians. I don't mean them. They seem like the coolest people around. I mean, Ukraine is filled with the world's greatest grandmothers. So how can you not love that place? Politically, you have Russia, who has earlier in the week been saying they were pulling troops back. America is saying, nope, they're adding more troops into it. So let's instead focus on what we do know. We trust Canadians. That's who we trust. And we trust Ukrainians because there's like literally, I think the number is like 13% of Canadians have some sort of Ukrainian heritage. It's a staggering number. Again, the coolest grandmas. Uh, our guest here on the shift to help us understand what's going on, all jokes aside, is Orest Zakadowski. How did I do, Orest? Perfect. Nice. Senior policy advisor with the Canadian, a Ukrainian Canadian Congress. Um, this must be a stressful time for you, Oris. Family, friends, fa- lineage, pride, uh, politics in general. How are you doing? Are you all right? Well, thanks for first. Thanks for having me on. It's great to to be with you. Uh, it is absolutely a, a stressful time for for me and for our community uh, and for our organization. Uh, a lot of us uh, do have family uh, and friends in Ukraine. A lot of us have traveled there uh, for short periods. A lot of us have worked there. Uh, I mean, the connections between between Canada and Ukraine are strong. Um, and yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, People here are reading the news every day, following what's happening, um, and you know, obviously, doesn't compare to the stress and, and anxiety that people in Ukraine are going through right now. But uh, you know, we're doing what we can uh, to support the Ukrainian people in Ukraine in any way that we can. So. It's about seven hours, I think, ahead from where you are. About ten hours on the west coast. I guess that means. Are you always on standby with your ringer on, Orest? I want to understand what it's like, you know, for because not only with the Canadian Ukrainian group, but obviously the family members. I, I imagine their phone, the ringer's on at nighttime because that's when the stuff's happening, right? Yeah, the ringer's on, and um, uh, you know, we I, I spend uh, quite a bit of time uh, speaking with people over there, both both professionally and. Uh, uh, because of personal relationships, um, uh, I have worked there in the past for 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 a fairly long period periods of time, and have made you know fairly close friendships with a lot of people who are going through a lot of uh, a lot of uh, trouble and hard times right now. And so, um, you know, I, I and all of us try to um, talk to them and and help them in any way we can. I, I do have some family there uh, that's fairly distant family that I'd speak with, uh, as well. And so, um, it is, um, on the one hand, a little bit frustrating here because there's really not much we can do personally, uh, for people. We can do a lot as a community and as an organization. So, um, it is, uh, a, I'd say, a very difficult time for people there. And so we, we here are trying to do everything we can uh, to help. So the threat of war, I mean, here we are, Orest, we're in Canada and we're like mostly worried about if they're going to have bananas at the grocery store today because trucks might have been delayed. The threat of war, it must be a unbelievable burden for everyone to carry and i preface the question with that because what is the 
you know, aside from just the blanket of war, what are Ukrainians mostly afraid of right now? Is it the future of a political change? Is it food and infrastructure, economy, jobs, obviously lively, uh, their lives, because this could go wild. Um, what, what really is the main thing that you're hearing that, um, uh, that people are, are truly afraid of? Um, I think it's, um, I don't think they're afraid. I think they're worried. And I think that they um, are, are uh, sort of quite stoic and uh, ready to defend their country. Uh, you have to remember there, there's been a war in Ukraine for eight years. This is not new. Uh, there's parts of eastern Ukraine and Crimea are occupied by Russia. And in the east, there's a shooting war. And every day there's shooting. Uh, 14,000 people have been killed. Uh, certainly, you know, if, if someone doesn't know somebody who, who, you know, served and was killed, they certainly know someone who was served or was and was wounded or who's serving now. Um, it is, you know, a, a war that that has touched uh, every segment of society um you know the the at the beginning of the war it was it was basically volunteers defending ukraine uh the army was in you know disarray uh and so uh there's really not many people there who aren't personally um uh involved or touched by the war so I mean, the, the, the biggest thing, you know, that we get from, from talking to people there is I think on some level, they're a bit, frankly, a bit calmer than we are, uh, because they are used to war, which is a terrible thing to have to be used to. Yeah. Um, and I that's a thing that I, we say even, right? You know, yeah. Um, but, but it is, it is nevertheless a fact that, you know, after eight years, uh, it is something that you know, psychologically or whatever becomes part of the things that, that, um, a human being deals with. So yeah. well, it's a, it's uh, a normal, sense, nobody wants, yeah. right? Holy cow. Uh, it is absolutely a normal, nobody wants, but it is nevertheless, uh, the normal that, that they unfortunately, uh, have to deal with, you know, on the other, on the other side of it. I mean, I think we saw today, you know, there was a, there was a unity day in Ukraine. And I think we saw that, that people are united and they are ready to uh, defend their country. There's, you know, civilians are getting trained in, in territorial defense units um, in cities and towns. Uh, and this is not uh, a people or a nation that will, uh, allow anyone to to occupy their country, uh, and so they are they will they will fight, and I think we will do what we can to help them. So let's talk about help, and let's break it into two very distinct conversations, Oris. When we're talking about Ukraine, uh, first let's talk about um, well, second let's talk about uh, Canadians helping. First, though, let's talk about political help and help from the government, Canada and others. What really is necessary here? I'm imagining, and this is a this is one of those things I've learned. I don't know much about Ukraine. I can tell you that. Um, that, and I I want to learn more about Ukraine. Uh, and I I don't as much as I'm joking when I say the world's greatest grandmothers. I mean that. Like everybody loves the the food and the history and the people and you know this sort of. Uh, warm feeling of of Ukrainian family that we get to see in Canada. So in order to protect that, let's talk politics first. That's the hard stuff. Canada has stepped up with uh, loans of money and now some um, some uh, weapon rapid weaponry. Uh, but you have other countries that have donated helmets. So what what politically does Ukrainian need and what is missing for them? Well, I think the first thing that that needs to be said is that Ukraine and Ukrainians are not asking anybody to fight for them. Uh, so Ukraine has not requested, and I imagine will not request, you know, troops from other countries to fight for them. Uh, they need weapons. Uh, quite simply, they need uh, anti-air and anti-naval uh, weapons. Russia has a powerful air force and powerful navy 
they need anti-tank weapons. Uh, they need, you know, this is Russia's the whatever second, third, uh, depending on how you count military power in the world. And so they need uh, weapons. They need economic aid because the this even this sort of escalation where Russia's moving troops around has has spooked. Uh, investors and made the uh, capital markets a lot harder for the Ukrainian government to raise bonds. So they need economic aid. And the other thing they need, the third thing they need is is pressure from the West on Russia. So they need sanctions uh, against Russian uh, banks, against the Russian oil and gas industry, uh, and against Russian oligarchs that are close to, to Vladimir Putin. Uh, to act as a to act as a deterrent, uh, and and we you know strongly believe that those sanctions need to be put on now and not after any possible invasion, um, and so that is kind of the the support that you know Ukrainians uh, uh, need politically, mm-hmm. and so Canada you know the 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 loans are very important, the the weapons Canada sending is very important. Um, and you know the next thing that needs to be done is for Canada to work with the U.S. and the U.K. and the European Union to put in uh, deterrent sanctions now, not not after an invasion. So that's what that's the next thing we will be talking to the Canadian government about. Uh, that sounds like a lot, and it sounds heavy. Yeah. Um, but the the Ukraine is positioned in that such a unique place where it's not really part of the eu per se uh closely tied to the more western nations like france and england and all those belgium but at the same time it's actually like a day's drive from from all of it and yet here you are next door to russia with a culturally all kinds of family crossover language crossover and things like that um the way that it was described to me i thought was very uh interesting and clear was you have an awful lot of Russian-speaking Ukrainians and Ukrainian-speaking Russians in that eastern area of, of, of the map. So when, you, when this comes about, and I get curious about this Ukrainian uh, perspective, is nobody wants um, Ukraine to become the next America and to live that life and, and to do that. Ukraine has its own culture and it doesn't need to be the next Western country, but at the same time, um, you don't want to, doesn't seem to want to go back to sort of this Russian overlord control thing. So is that kind of where that no one's asking anyone to fight their fight? They're just asking for help in it. Is, is that, am I hearing that clearly or am I off? So I think the thing to remember is that, you know, Ukraine is a uh, sovereign country that has some problems with, you know, corruption, those sorts of things, but it is a, functioning dem- democracy it's a pluralist society and its people has have made their choice electorally and 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 in other you know democratic and civic ways that they want to be a part of the western world and and have their country adhere to you know democratic standards human rights uh, those sorts of things that we hear uh, and in in the European Union, frankly, sometimes take for granted a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, right. And so, this is really what the the Ukrainian people are fighting for is is the uh, their right to live in their own country, uh, speak their language, practice their culture, uh, uh, and to do so democratically and as part of a community of nations that adheres to to those principles. Uh, and so, you know, it is a fairly long history of uh, Russian colonialism that goes back centuries. Uh, certainly the Soviet period was a was also an imperialist colonialist period where, uh, you know, millions of Ukrainians were, were murdered during the uh, famine, the whole Domor genocide in 1932-33. Um, and so this is, you know in in part a uh a story of a nation that seeks to live together and and choose their own common destiny free of interference and and uh oppression from from 
other countries from Russia specifically. Well, we've, I've, I would always just imagine if it's as simple as Canadians, what if, by the way, you voted in the last election last year and the next election, you don't get to vote. So, I mean, I just imagine that as a fundamental basic look at all this. So, Orest, what does Ukrainian-Canadian Congress need? What do Ukrainians need from Canadians? Not the government specifically, but from Canadians. What do we as Canadians, because we have Ukraine in our families. And if we don't have them specifically in our families, they're like next door proximity like it's here it's it's a part of such an important part of canada in so many communities what um what does ukraine and the ukrainian canadian congress need from canadians well so i would ask uh uh people to do a couple of things uh one is to get in touch with your member of parliament and your uh other elected officials uh, and tell them that it's important for you that canada continues to support Ukraine. Uh, it's important to have that political message constantly coming from Canadians. And it is. Uh, and and certainly, you know, people are, are responding to our calls and, and, and uh, talking to their elected officials. Uh, second is, uh, you know, for those who would want to donate money to support uh, people in Ukraine, the Canada Ukraine Foundation, which is our sister organization, together with us, with the Ukrainian Canadian Congress, has set up a humanitarian relief uh, uh, committee that is going to uh, focus on humanitarian aid to Ukraine. So that's at the website of the Canada Ukraine Foundation. You can Google it and, and find it quite easily. Uh, so if you're able to donate some some money to support. Uh, humanitarian efforts that would be uh, most helpful and welcome. And finally, the last thing is to, you know, follow the news and talk to your friends about this. Uh, It's an important issue for Canadians, uh, not just of Ukrainian descent, but, but all Canadians, Uh, you know, we, we as a country stand for certain principles, one of which is that other countries are free to make their own choices and live the way that they want to live. And so I think, you know, once, once, once those principles are challenged in places, it's important for us to all stand up for it. And so, uh, please follow the news. Follow. You can go to our website, ucc.ca. Sign up for newsletters. We send them out all the time about what's going on. Stay informed. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. And and uh, uh, the more people know, the better um, uh, things will be. Well, we have a lot of learning to do about Ukraine where it is, what's magical about the culture, the people. And so we're going to do that here coming up next on The Shift. But before I let you go, Orest, what's your takeaway from the Ukrainian people, be it resilience, passion? Um, you know, I mean, it's a cool bunch. So what's your takeaway of how amazing these people are as Ukrainians? I think that, I mean, the the thing that um, uh, strikes me and that kind of keeps me coming back to what is really a, a magical country and a, and a, and a fascinating uh, people is the combination of both resilience and, and humor, the way that Ukrainians uh, in Ukraine deal with these sorts of, of challenges and, and, uh, 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 sometimes hardships uh, uh, is really, you know, for 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 people who have had a tough time in the last eight years, I think it's uh, uh, incredible the way that they've responded with unity and and with uh, stoicism uh, and and remain remain united and remain um, um, fighting for the thing that that they all believe in. And, and, uh, I think that that is, um, an insp- certainly an inspiration to me and should be an inspiration to a lot of people. So. Oh, it's a good, uh, some good leadership that we as Canadians could pay close attention to and, and maybe look in the mirror and, and, um, learn from good lesson for us as Canadians too. Uh, Orest, thank you so much for being here and sharing your time with us. Uh, we're going to be on your speed dial 
if uh, if you want to share anything or you need anything else that that comes out about this, okay, we'll pass it on to the Shifthead community. Uh, Senior Policy Advisor Orist Zakadalski. Uh, who is with the UCC.ca, by the way, is the website, and the Ukrainian-Canadian uh, Congress. Oris, thank you. I hope you get some sleep. I really do. Well, thank you for having me. So, cheers. This is the Shift Podcast. I've seen the list. Dun, dun, dun. The list of trucker donations that was made public by somebody who hacked it, Hank Fordham. Uh, White Hat Hacker is here. Um, Hank is one of the good guys, but he does like to cause us no sleep at night with the um, the boogeyman hackers echoing, hiding underneath our, our computer desks. Hank, how are you? I'm not bad, man. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Glad you're here. Um, I'm sure you've seen the list or heard of the list of the, uh, the GiveSendGo folks yeah. that... Got hacked. So how does this happen, Hank? This is a donation platform. How does somebody get all of that information, which you would think would be incredibly private because, you know, money? You know, I, I find it really interesting because um, that this platform, Give, Send, Go, they've, they've been warned in the past about uh, the exact same vulnerability that was exploited here. But um, what what we saw happen, I guess, on Sunday was um, they they had an, an information exposure with an Amazon S3 bucket, and what those do is like it, it's basically an online cloud storage that just holds like photos, documents, and in in this case, it also held the source code for their website. And it's like a dumb place to put it. Yeah. <laughs> So they got tipped off and they they patched that and they, they also noticed a, a, a document in there that was kind of a warning from an anonymous researcher back in 2018 trying to warn them about this. But, uh, you know, they tried to patch it and then you were able to view the identity and the donation amount, obviously, an email of anonymous donators just by right-clicking and viewing inspecting element you 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 could use a normal browser view the network traffic and and view very private information and so along with a lot of these breaches like the the numbers for the the trucker uh, campaign that we're hearing about or i think it's a little over ninety thousand um lines of information but what we're not hearing about is the amount of, uh, you know, the amount of information that was included in other campaigns. Like when the source code for that website was leaked, what was included in that source code was an SQL database. And in that is not only like campaign names, donator amounts, comments, and, and you name it, uh, but, but it's for campaigns, like every campaign. That was wow. before last Friday. So if you donated not only to the trucker campaign, but to any other campaign on this this platform, uh, that that information is, is exposed. And if you know anything about Give, Send, Go in the past, they've had some pretty questionable campaigns run on there. So uh, having a lot of this information exposed is, is just, it, it brings like into, in, into like, I guess importance the the realization that companies need to start putting their customers' privacy uh, ahead of their profits. Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like this has been a problem ongoing for a long time. This one is a big one. Now, the data that has been released is this data from uh, the truckers. It's detailed data, Hank. Now, we will often see, you know, when you had. I don't know, some of the private dating websites like the infidelity websites and all those ones get hacked. All you had to do is people set up a new website where you'd go and say, search someone's email address and you could see if they they would come up, right? Like if I wanted to go to Shane at it's the shift.ca, you could search that and see what I donated to. Has anybody that you've seen done that for this yet where someone can go and search out family members or friends or political people and, and find out if there's donations there. Uh, 
Oh, absolutely. And you know, when one when one gets taken down, three more show up. And uh, I, it was actually on on the actual Give Send Go website for not not for too long, but on Sunday it was redirecting to Give Send Go WTF, and that had kind of like a like the animated movie Frozen. Oh, and the Frozen just basically song. like a scrolling message and. The message is pretty long, but but the the basics of it is just a, an anti you know anti freedom convoy message, and uh, along with that was a link for you to go and not only download the information, but you could search through it at at free will. And the one of the groups that are in kind of control of some of this data leak, the distributed denial of secret secrets group. Uh, you know they're they're claiming that they're only releasing it to journalists and and whatnot, but the reality is that, and it's quite obvious now that it's only ever an an, an amount of time before that data gets out, and it's yeah. starting to. Well, okay, so this who does this? I mean, because this is pretty politically righteous, right? I mean, we, we've heard an awful lot about hacks going on in Ukraine and stuff right now, you know, Russia and all those things. But it seems to me that is this like a Robin Hood scenario? Like what kind of hacker does this? Because obviously it's political, politically motivated. Um, perhaps someone goes and says, well, here, I can shut this down. Watch this. Um, or, you know, like, I don't know. Um, it just seems, it just seems. I don't know. Like, who does this? Is it a good guy or a bad guy? How do you look at this? I, you know, I was I was asking myself that same question earlier today because, uh, and and I guess it really does. You, you're right. It depends on on what kind, what side of the political spectrum you sit on. But, uh, I I, I don't think it's it's good or bad. And what what I'm kind of seeing a lot of is is different people taking credit uh, for for this this hack and uh yeah i i i couldn't say if if they're good or bad but from my point of view i think that there could only be bad intent like i i don't see the point in trying to uh cause any harm here by by releasing donators information or um and you know we're seeing people getting fired and losing their jobs and and there's just there's I don't think that there's any good that that comes from leaking information, especially from this kind of a campaign. Well, and what I mean, what does it do really? I mean, yes, do I agree with the 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 fundraising and where it's gone? No, I don't. Do I, um, you know? But I, I I guess that this is your private information that you've gone and donated. Right. And, and I'll yeah. give you an example. There's, there's a donation here and, uh, the guy's name is first name is Mike. I'm not going to say his last name, but all of his information there. Um, and he is from Illinois. Uh, his name that he put on the donation was, uh, free money. And then there's another guy above that. His name is Matt. And Matt is also, uh, let me just double check this. It's a lot of data. Um, Texas. And what he posts in his donation, his name was Matt and uses his name and his email address or whatever, um, which I think is like a domain that they bought for their family. And his, he says, Ich bin ein Canadian trucker. But he's not. He's in America. <laughs> he's from Texas, right? Like, so, um, like that's the thing is that it's, it, it does expose sort of the nefarious nature of some of these people that think they're being secretive. But if we can't even donate to a cause that we believe in, Hank, uh, now in this case, we have sort of the good guys and the bad guys throwing a grenade into all of this. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's all over the place. And uh, I, I think it, it kind of you, you're right when you say that, like, it, we can't even donate without worrying about our data being exposed. And I'm you know, I'm, I sit here and I, I try and think of, of advice for people who have had their, their data exposed. And I find it difficult because, 
you know, you, you use these platforms with trust in mind. And so you use your personal email or you use your work email because you don't think that that, that private information is going to be leaked. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it really is difficult to even mitigate that once it does get leaked and, and it is out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lady here. Uh, she says you're in our hearts and prayers and she made a donation, right? Like, I mean, so there are people here that are just supporting what they believe. And then there's obviously, um, some nefarious stuff going on. So, okay. So here's, let's draw a parallel here. Hank, uh, Hank, the hacker, um, Right now, we are seeing all kinds of information coming out about Russia's potential attack on Ukraine. That's what we've been told is happening. Russia says they're withdrawing troops. Ukraine's uh, United States says, no, they added troops. And all of these things going on, the one thing that has been noted has been all kinds of hack attempts on Ukraine. So this makes me wonder, okay, is, is Russia trying to hack infrastructure just to put pressure and stress on the situation? Or are just other countries from other places trying to stir the proverbial bee's nest and cause trouble? And is there a way to even tell who is causing this hacking really that's, that's stirring up the hornet's nest of, 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 I don't know, who is good and who is bad is blurred. Um, man, Shane, if you want to come be a hacker, come join us. I, you're right on the <laughs> ball, man. Like, uh, you, you know, like I, I think of the the hack recently with with North Korea when their mm-hmm. internet went down, and it was literally all this one guy in, you know, I hate to say his basement in America, but uh, it, it might as well have been. It, it's literally just one guy took took down pretty well the whole country's internet for a little bit and the the reason that that was possible is because of the lack of updates in their infrastructure and you see the mm-hmm. same thing in in places like U- Ukraine like the the digital infrastructure that they have there isn't as up to date or as modern as the di- digital infrastructure that we would have here or or that they would have in Russia and mm-hmm. and that that also includes you know cyber skills or any kind of uh software skills not to say that they don't have them but the the vulnerabilities there are much much more prominent than they would be in North America or even in Russia and so you know R- Russia when there when there's a lot of heat political heat you wouldn't find it uncommon for things to happen like that. But uh, there's threat maps that you can view online, like Kaspersky threat map, uh, checkpoint threat map. If you Google these things, you can see an actual global map, and it shows you all the hacks that are happening. You can actually visualize that some of these things aren't only happening from Russia to the Ukraine, but they can also happen from North America to the Ukraine. They can happen from Korea to Ukraine. And, you know, so it, when when any kind of political heat or, or media attention kind of draws on to anything, especially now you're seeing a lot of hackers or, or cyber criminals target that and that kind of that thing in particular. Hmm. So it backfires. And here's, here's the thing. And thank you very much, Rick, for the, for the note that comes in. I mean, I, I'm, my stand here, just to be clear, is, um, I, we deserve privacy when we give donations, right? Yeah. As long as, like, I, as long as it's not, if it's going to a terror act or if it's going to uh, a fake charity or money laundering, well, that's not cool. That's not okay. You don't deserve privacy for breaking the law. As far as these people know, at least when they were donating, they were donating to a cause, right? So, yeah. Regardless of agree or disagree on the legality of all of it, they believed at the time, and at the time they were donating to a cause. Now, maybe the maybe the investigative people, the CSIS folks, or whoever handles that, the FBI, I don't know, down in the states, uh, those money departments, they're going to know and they're going to look up and see, you know, these people that are popping in on these things. You know, there's one guy um, that made a donation from Belarus, and I translated. Uh, I just because you can look up by country. And I just translated it, and all it says is for our and your freedom. So it, to probably some person who really wanted to take a stand in that case, right? Okay, so they made a donation. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there's there's news um, that is out there about an ice cream shop owner from Ottawa that also made a donation. But here's the catch. 
do you really know if that was the person that made a donation? I mean, could I go out there and say, I'm Hank Fordham and make the donation and say that sign up with your email address and a fake email address and a fake name. And now I'm on the list and now I've made you look bad. Can we get that nefarious with this? That's the other question that comes up. And, and I'm wondering how much of these, like, Are you fake? know, it, it sucks to say it, but imagine how many of these donations were from stolen credit cards or like you're saying, someone saying, or temporary credit cards, like you know, the ones you go buy. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, you and I can go buy a credit, credit card, card, right? Yeah, you could go get a prepaid credit card at Sev and then give a donation as as Hank for Justin Trudeau. You could even I, just say Hank the Hacker. Yep, and I could do that. And so this is the part that gets me is that, sure, okay, well, that's not my email address. Or what if I know your email address, right? Like, So there's nothing... The, the, the catch here with this is, yes, do I like the fact that I think it's 30-some-odd percent were from outside Canada? No, I don't like that. But the reality is is that I, I you know, we have to be careful... In the privacy of where we send our money, that's concerning in the internet world of today. Plus, if you and I can go get a fake card and make a donation, and I can say that Justin Trudeau gave a thousand dollars to this, and you know, I don't know, PM at CanadianGovernment.com, uh, whatever his email address is, that's really concerning because now these people are getting punished, and there's no way that they can stand up for themselves. Even if they didn't do it. I mean, so you have people who are standing up for what they believe in. Then you have people who are nefariously trying to influence things. And now you have people that can fake it and get not only cause the propaganda in the situation, but now they can actually get other people in trouble who didn't make it, did not make a donation. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important for decision makers to like keep in mind and take into consideration when you know, when they're looking through these, these dad, these kinds of data leaks, like the possibility to insert false information, like we're, we're hearing stories of some NASA employees and department of justice. Like there, there's some uh, like really high up names. I'm, I'm curious who donated 240,000, but um, like, I think it's important for people to realize when, when they're making a choice based on this information that, there's a lot of lot of hype mm-hmm. <laughs> surrounding this this whole thing and it's important to remember that you know it's not very difficult for people to insert that information and this is a vulnerability that's been around for 4 years now and mm-hmm. to the hacking community it, it doesn't take very much technological know-how to exploit this in in fact it it was one of the focal points in a, a hacking contest, like a Christmas-themed hacking contest this year. And it, it's based for kids. So, uh, like, a child could have done this exploit. That's how easy this is. And uh, it's been sitting there for four years. So is this irresponsible business uh, more than anything Absolutely. else? Um, so not all, we shouldn't worry because not all platforms are this reckless with information and data? Yeah, and it's really common now, especially in, you know, the developer community that your Amazon S3 bucket should remain locked. And, uh, you know, everything that that was involved in this vulnerability, it it actually it raises a lot of question to why they left it open. Hmm. It's interesting. Well, this is why you uh, make sure that the people you hire are uh, not for $5 on the internet and you hire professionals if you're getting into this business. Um, I can tell you this, that I'm sure some people are in trouble because if you just search by um, the amount, there's a there's a billionaire on this list. I'm not saying they did it or it wasn't fake, but there is a billionaire on this list that donated $90,000 from his American Express. So... And by the way, if you want his personal email address, it's right there. My God, if we can't do live our lives, uh, why are we doing it this way, Hank? Why are we doing it all so vulnerably online? I, you know, I remember me and you talking about like the impending, all these impending cyber attacks and stories and, and hackers, like a lot more of them coming around because of, you know, the COVID situation and, and the extra time everyone has to practice these things. But 
I, <laughs> it never ceases to blow my mind and, and it constantly reminds me why, um, you know, we're doing the right thing over it. Solve with, with trying to help companies to stop this kind of thing from happening. Cause, uh, you know, while I say that that things like these S3 buckets are very easy to exploit, um, there's always that human element involved, and and people aren't expecting people to exploit this like this. But we're going to start having to have that that sense of I, I guess uh, safe sense of paranoia or a healthy sense of paranoia, um, like checking if 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 you've been a part of a breach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, we need but, to find. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm never, never cease to be amazed. Wow, Hank Fordham, senior security specialist, uh, specialist, solves cyber solutions um, in Calgary, and uh, one of the good guys who teaches people how to avoid things just like this. Guess they should have called Hank. Uh, my goodness, regardless of which side you land on in this, the exposure is unbelievable. Thanks so much for being here, Hank. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.